Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. It's Paid in Puke, the Series 7 finale! This season, we're discussing every episode of Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story miniseries, Impeachment. Starring Beanie Feldstein, Sarah Paulson, Annalie Ashford, Kobe Smulders, Judith Light, and character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Annie Malone. I'm Christina Barr. And episode 10 is entitled The Wilderness. It was written by showrunner Sarah Burgess and directed by Michael Uppendahl. Possible perjury in a minor lawsuit. No sane person would find that impeachable. Have you met Republican leadership? I would have done anything to protect him. I did. He was a cheater. He was a liar. Men like him, they ruin lives. And they get away with it. Impeachment, American Crime Story finale. It originally aired on November 9th, 2021. And it revolves around the release of The Star Report on September 9th, 1998. The day after my birthday. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I do remember all this happening. <laughs> I remember the Star Report like being in bookstores eventually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember all this going on, but that's what I remember about the Star Report. <laughs> yeah. so I was gonna say, like, what a loser you are if you like bought the Star Report, but that was before everything was so easily online, you know. Like, yeah. But it was online. Yeah. I, mean, I know, but you said people are, like, downloading it and it's painstaking. It's like, oh, all the servers are jet or whatever. It know? was really funny. They did spend a lot of time in this episode on, like, how it, it's, like, the first thing that broke the internet, basically. Like, right. And on the CBS website, if you want to get the report during uh, this afternoon or morning, this is our internet address. Uh, we'll have a special prosecutor's report on that as soon as it becomes available. It's just a white page. There's a, a little, um, an hourglass, and it, it's just turning. Uh, what does that mean? It's trying to load, Mom. At one time during this relationship, the president was complaining uh, that he was getting bad treatment from Monica. Come on. Uh, here's another. Come on. No, 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 no. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Drudge is literally like, fix it, it's, you broke the internet, <laughs> the internet is broken. Sir, the whole internet is down, we're doing everything we can to bring it back up, so I don't understand why you're using this tone. No, I have this tone, sir, because I am paying you to host a political news site, which you apparently can't keep running, even in the middle of the biggest political news story of our lives. Mr. Drudge, we could do a post saying that it's not updating right now. No, I don't want you to post, I need to post, I need to post, the government is falling, fix it. I remember it all like coming out, but I've never like there's the scene of like the college kids hurriedly like trying to find it. The president zipped up quickly and went out. Miss Lewinsky remembers laughing because he walked out to his office visibly aroused. It... Hey, fuck, it stopped loading. Oh, servers are down. Try the Library of Congress site. Uh, that's been crashed for an hour. Wait, Kim, do you have it? I loaded the file. Kim, 
Shut up! Shut up and reading! <laughs> Look, he ejaculated. I don't know, I guess like I just, I missed all that or something. I don't know where, I, I remember hearing in the news like all the gory details of it, but I didn't realize they sold it in the bookstore. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, there's a shot of Chelsea in the computer lab. Uh, did she go to Columbia? I think I she was know. at Stanford. Stanford, yeah. Yeah. It's just her her hair <laughs> and her horrified eyes. That must have been, like, so crazy. But also, she has, like, a Secret Service person watching over her as she does <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, wow, I wonder... Was she ever alone, like, ever in her like, college existence? Not know? really. I mean, yeah. I'm sure, like, she was allowed to go into a room and shut the door, but there would be somebody standing outside of it. Like, she couldn't sneak out. Like, she probably couldn't really go to a party or anything without, yeah. you know, she definitely couldn't fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty shitty to be the kid of a president. I feel like that would be yeah. the worst, worse than being the first lady. Oh. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. So there's all the stuff about the internet breaking. There's Monica getting a book deal. There was one team that seemed kind of interested and they don't seem like a tabloid, which is good. Did you get the feeling that they wanted you to go into a lot of detail? They said it would be my version of the story. However, I feel comfortable telling it. And they said if I want, I can write it with Andrew Morton, the guy who wrote Princess Diana's book with her. Wow. That book was the... The thing that finally let people see her side of it all. Linda, did you get in plastic surgery? Every yes. Day. I meant to look up photos of her. Oh, yeah, I did. God, I, I hope it's okay to say I didn't recognize you. Thank you. I hope you can write that. <laughs> that I look different. It's really funny how in the show she gets plastic surgery to become Sarah Paulson. <laughs> Make me look like Sarah Paulson. <laughs> but she did look very different afterwards. Hmm. It was like a nose job too. It was, yeah. they changed yeah. her face a lot. We'll get to the meaningful passages, but there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. And then Paula doing penthouse right. to pay her legal fees, but she did eventually get a settlement. We can go into hot props. Shut up, hot props is on. Oh shit, yeah. I was like, did she really have to do that because <laughs> she was so broken? I mean, it is true that she did, but she got an $850,000 settlement eventually. Oh, wow. But they didn't mention that in the show. I'm not sure why they wouldn't mention huh. that. It seems pretty significant. I felt like it needed a little something at the end. Even though it's like, obviously, we all know these people and we can look it up. But I, I felt like it needed a little... You know, at the end, like, what happened to everybody? You know, yeah. I would have I would have liked that. Yeah, the psychic friends... <laughs> Whatever oh phone line that she ended up doing. Are you searching for wisdom in your life? Hi, I'm Paula Jones. That's right. Connect with me and I will guide you with answers and advice. Get help finding love, money, or the career you deserve. Call 1-900-884-1221 and I will inform you of your future. Satisfaction guaranteed. I do not remember her doing that. I remember Burgess had to remind me. He was like, oh yeah, I remember how Dionne Warwick did that. And I was like, oh yeah, I thought that was just like Dionne Warwick having her own line. I didn't realize it was part of a thing where they had other celebrities doing it too. Yeah. Latoya Jackson might have done it too. Oh yeah. yeah. But I didn't realize it was like the actual star would <laughs> would answer the calls. Like yeah. I was like, Really? Is that really how it worked? And then she was mm -hmm. like, if they hang up before five minutes, I get nothing? That seems like a terrible yeah. deal for her, you know? Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of her just taking endless prank calls like that. Right. Oh, hey, Paula. Have you seen my saxophone? I need you to blow on it. <laughs> 
And, like, they it's probably like, did have to pay. I know, it's, it's so not... silly to prank call a 900 number, you know? Like, yeah. you have to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm sure there's... it's not free for the caller if it if they hang up before five minutes. No, you know, so it's really fucked up. Somebody, yeah. It's fucked up that they made it that way. Like, pay them something for their time. Obviously, like, yeah. it's a humiliating thing to do for some people. Maybe Dionne Warwick didn't feel like it was humiliating, but now that you mentioned in LaToya, I was like, oh, yeah, people made fun of her for that. It was, like, this desperate thing, like, that only real D-list celebrities ended up having to do. Right. I feel like it was before the days of Dancing with the Stars or something, you know? Yeah. Like, now, I feel like there's more options for the D-listers, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I was on, like, Masked Singer or something. <laughs> oh, my God. There's a lot of options. Lot, yeah. So many things like that. <laughs> She's living at home with her mom, and it's like the chips are really down for her. And that Sharon Carpenter McMillan lady is like, It is Penthouse Magazine. No, but they said it was just a few tasteful photos, you know, real tasteful. It is cowardly to lie to yourself about what this is and what men use this magazine for. Susie, I have legal problems tax problems that i don't i don't even understand something about my legal phone being set up all wrong no, 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 don't. don't try to blame this on the many generous people who have helped you well i'm not i'm not but nobody nobody is around anymore and uh, <laughs> i can't get a job here so oh my god yeah, what is really <laughs> hands of her like and paula actually thought she was a supportive person and it's so obvious that this woman just like dropped her like a hot rock after the whole lawsuit got thrown out and then she gets slut shamed by her like about like why are you doing this and you know the penthouse thing and so that i mean it's fucked up and i don't agree with slut shaming at all but it's even crazier is occult shaming with the psychic friends network when that's many of our friends are very distraught over your psychic hotline Oh, no, that was just me reading a script. No, no, no. It is against our religion, Paula. It deals with the occult. But I defended you. I said, it's not her, it's a mistake, let it go. Such a crazy interpretation of that. And that's real. I look that up. Like, did she really say, like, this is against our religious beliefs? Reading a script and pretending like you know about the future? <laughs> and she did. She said, like, this is... This is like witchcraft in the cult. Oh <laughs> That's God. truly insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't match her brand of feminism. I do remember um, that she did. Do you remember there was like celebrity boxing or yes, because yeah. Tanya Harding did it. She, with the, yeah, with Paula Jones. <gasps> yeah. Oh fuck! I forgot that. I only remember because I remember like the SNL thing about it. <laughs> hmm. And I get it confused with the celebrity death match, which was the Comedy Central like claymation yeah. version of it, right. which was based on the real thing, where they really did have celebrities fighting each other. Because like Screech did it too. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, like I didn't watch it, but I do remember hearing about it, and it was like a really uneven match because Tanya Harding's like an actual athlete. Yes, you know? <laughs> right. And Paul Jones is just like this tiny woman from Arkansas. Oh my god, that's so messed up. Like, that is really crazy and dystopian almost of what the things... It is much nicer for D-list celebrities now. Right. We'll pay you to fight each other and to debase yourself. And now it's like, no, we'll pay you to dance. To learn a fun dance with right. another shitty celebrity. Yeah. 
No, not even. No, no it was like with the professional dancer. dancer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can be really hated and be on that show. Yeah. I mean, Linda Tripp could have been on it now, honestly. Do you remember? Yes. Or, I guess it was like a couple months ago. The Masked Singer was like Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Like Ken Jeong and Robin Thicke like walked off. Like, it's just like, why are you making Rudy Giuliani like giving this? I don't. It's just yeah. It's horrible celebrities. There's so many opportunities for people. Like once you're already famous, to get the next opportunity to be on something, Mm -hmm. just because you're already famous, you know. Yeah. It's a really insane thing for Rudy Giuliani to want to do anyway. Like it's insane on both sides. Like why are they having Rudy Giuliani and why is he doing that? (laughs) He can't possibly like need. He doesn't need the money money or the. He's like, doing it for like, the fans. Oh my god. The other hot probs. I know I say it a lot. But the lighting was especially egregious <laughs> this episode. I was like, God, like everybody's home. Matt Drudge sitting in the dark. Everybody's like at home in the dark. Yeah. There, there's this room, like a file room to look at, and there's a tiny lamp on the table. <laughs> this is a like room for reading. Like, right. Why is there no overhead lighting? <laughs> it's a very good question. Also, I have a little bit of a hot problem with, I understand why they did this, but Paula Jones is just way too sympathetic as a character like Annalie Ashford's portrayal she just is like so sweet and used and she is all those things but she was a Donald Trump supporter I feel like one thing that they did a good job with with this show to just show how in the context of this story like a lot of women sort of got done dirty because of Bill Clinton being a basically awful person Mm -hmm. like in the context of the story you know this woman was assaulted by bill clinton and this is how she ended up being treated and it was all like so political and about power you know so i think it would just sort of like muddle things a little bit to get into that like well is she like a you know because it's sort of like well it's not okay to like assault someone if they're a donald trump sure but i mean i think they did a good job of keeping a balance with the other women they would all just have like offhand comments here or there that would like kind of show their political alignments to kind of show that they existed in a less than black and white situation her portrayal is like she's just this sweet little lady that had this horrible thing happen all those horrible things happened to her mm-hmm. it's just not nuanced enough for the reality i totally buy that performance and that portrayal but i don't know i mean paula jones herself doesn't like it which is interesting because right. it's yeah. like why not like she's mm-hmm. if you just looked at this show and didn't know anything else you'd be like that poor woman like she's absolutely the most sympathetic person besides monica yeah i've been thinking about like the the whole like redemption story thing especially since i just finished pam and tommy and thinking about like these stories were they'll finally getting to tell their side of the story or something but like it's like kind of unimaginable for me like well pam and tommy isn't them telling their side of the story right it isn't them (laughs) telling their side of the story but also like thinking about like with paula jones how she didn't like this portrayal even though it's really sympathetic to her like all of these people that have all these stories that get put into movies do they feel like oh i'm so glad 
Like, it just seems like it's so, like, they've already been through the mm-hmm. horrible stuff. Like, yeah. why would they, why would anybody want to do this over again? I don't know. Like, well, I, I guess it's just making <clears throat> me think of, like, in the contrast between, like, Pam and Tommy. Like, the first couple episodes were really fun and, like, seeing the setup of how they met and stuff. But then, like, as the episodes progressed, it was like, oh... No wonder she doesn't want to be a part of this. Well, she won't even watch it. She doesn't know any of that. I thought about that a lot. I mean, I already... By the time Pam came out and said, this is not sanctioned by me and I'm never going to watch it. Yeah. And I had those conflicted feelings. I was like, okay, well, I have already watched like (laughs) so much of it. I might as well just finish watching it. But, you know, I won't defend it because I totally understand where she's coming from on that but yeah it really is like it's not fair to say we want to tell their side and then not ask them what their side is and even though it's coming from a good place in one way where it's like look at how victimized she was and how she was the most victimized person in this situation it's still like you can't say shut up no i know you're a victim see shut up right yeah right yeah Even, like, with this one, like, with Monica, the way that this episode ends, she's having this book come out, and it's, like, really popular, and Andrew Morton wrote it with her, and, like, you see how she's getting so much support, but it ends with her having a hard time dealing with all of it, so it's Mm. just kind of like, yeah, you're getting to tell your side of the story, but it's just still, like, so hard you know yeah the support that she's getting is like really intense and not helpful it seems like like that audience the crowd is like oh we're all here for you ah! like that guy who like runs at her and he's like i just want to talk to her yelling in someone's face i'm on your side isn't helpful you know made me think like she's an integral part of like making this series but also is she just doing it because it's going to happen whether she likes it or not so I've got to make myself Mm -hmm. be a part of this process I feel like she said that yeah Yeah, it's it's just (laughs) yeah so it's like good it happened Mm -hmm. and she was a part of it but also like I don't know I just wonder if it was like a fun process for her (laughs) you know what I mean or I mean, I doubt it was that fun, but I think that it helped that she had so much input. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think there were people there that were taking care of her, which is good. <laughs> but yeah, it is really fucked up that that's the society we live in, where it's like, we will tell your story whether you want us to or not. So, right. And sometimes we'll ask you, but a lot of the time we won't. Because if there's... Right. If there's, or if you say, no, we'll, we're still going to do we're it. We're going to do it anyway, yeah. yeah. Right. If there's a buck to be made from it, somebody's gonna do it like that's just yeah (laughs) shitty like brutal reality and then i read an interesting quote from paula that was well now i'm paraphrasing it but it was basically like no one ever asked me she's like i did penthouse because no one asked me to do a book she was like i would have loved to tell my story but no one wanted to hear it and she actually tried to sell her story and no publishing house is buying it. So it's also interesting whose stories we decide we're going to tell whether they want us to or not. Yeah. And whose stories we say we don't need want to hear that. We don't want to hear what you think about your life. 
And my last hot problem, I guess, is just like it's just such an egregious waste of paper. All the, the star report. Oh, God. <laughs> I know, like, boxes and boxes of files. And they were just doing it for the show. You can tell, not for like the TV show, but I mean, Ken Starr's office was like trying to make a statement by printing mm-hmm. 453 pages out multiple times, filling a van with the reports and bringing them. It didn't need to happen. Like they had email, they had the internet. They show how fast it got on the internet, even though it was loading slow. I mean, it's very on brand for them, but just, like, they wasted all that paper to be assholes. I mean, it's kind of crazy, like, how much really detailed sex stuff that got put into something that gets presented to... Congress? So honestly, though, I mean, I feel like all of that, it's all because of Bill Clinton and his fucking douchey letter of the law interpretation of like, well, this defined sexual relations as intent to arouse. So you're doing rounds for impeachment. Paul and I are doing the full narrative right here. She stopped him for a physical reason. Ms. Lewinsky did then perform oral sex on him. Take it out of your part. Then my subsection four is just he fondled her bare breasts with his hands and mouth. Okay, what? Why would I only describe half of what happened? That whole day goes into his intent to arouse. Yes, that's why it's in our section, which comes before yours. You're assuming that they're going to be reading it in order. What does that even mean? What other way is there to read it? You're just pissed that I took Clinton jerking off to a sink from you. Why is that even in the report? I mean, how does it have anything to do with him touching her with the intent to arouse? Shut up, Tommy. Hey, just leave it all where it is. We don't have time. We have to start printing now. All of that detail, but in that moment... Right. is all because of him saying, well, no, I didn't lie because in the lawsuit, sexual relations was defined as touching someone with intent to arouse and I didn't do that. So that's why they had to go, you know, like, did he yeah. bring you to orgasm? Did he touch your boobs? Did he do, you know, that all comes down to him. It just makes me hate him so much. Like, it's mm-hmm. such fucking bullshit. I mean, I just wish, so, why can't someone just say, this is such bullshit. You know what sexual relations are. Like, it's not not sexual. You know, it's it, it's, it's, it's offensive that it's like you even have to split hairs like that. Yeah. This woman gave you a blowjob. Nobody's buying that that's not sexual relations. You know that's sexual relations. Like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. All of that detail is because of him saying, well, I didn't lie because that was how sexual relations was defined. Yeah. It's so shitty. And, like, it's crazy seeing Monica's watching all these, like, news clips about the impeachment. And then, like, there's this feminist organization <laughs> that's like, we we are strongly against It is the National Organization for Women. Oh, I don't know God. why they didn't. That was actually another little minor problem. They didn't call that out because it yeah. really was. It seemed they were oh, like wow. feminists right. in general. Yeah. Side with the clip, and I was like, that is not what fucking happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the president who is pro woman. Right. This is the president want... elected by women. Right. Exactly. And it's like, wow. I know. That's crazy that they said that. And they later said they did that because of his policies supporting abortion, specifically. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think they needed to do that. I don't think it helped anything, and it certainly hurt. Gosh, it, I felt like it was very impactful, that one shot of her walking into her room and looking at the TV, and she sits on the bed, and she thinks for a second, and you know she's thinking, if I turn the TV on, there's going to be something on about me, and then it, it totally is. Yeah, and then the what? Joyce Brothers. What a uniquely horrifying yeah. time for her. All right, so, uh, in summation... <laughs> What Lewinsky might find is that the public is very fickle, that men in sex scandals often get second chances, and that women rarely do. 
Well, can you imagine your son coming home and saying, I'm going to marry Monica Lewinsky? Oh, yeah, and then her friend Kat came to visit Aww. her. That was really, yeah. She it was, was nice like, to see Kat again. I never hear anything about you. How are you here? I heard they might be playing the tapes today, so I thought I'd get on a plane and come distract you. Yeah, that's... Um... Jesus Christ. It's just you, Sam. Don't worry, I was gonna sleep through it. This isn't my first day like today, and I've learned to plan ahead. Oh, well... I had a different plan. Because she had lined up all these pills, like, oh, I've learned to plan ahead. Just like that kind of like really deep depression, needing to like totally numb out for a yeah. lot of this period. Sounds just awful. But that was great. Like her friend like took her out and they had like a, I really liked the moments of levity they have yeah. when they're on the hike and, you know, they're talking about the Halloween costume. And yeah. And her friend's like, oh yeah, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she was like, hey, I never hear anything about you. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, at least you got everybody to use the internet. <laughs> yeah. I really love her friend. Cat. You're looking at the best-selling Halloween costume this year. That's who you're on a hike with. I know. Came with a cigar. I know. Saw that. I bought one for myself. What? Oh my god. It just makes me really sad, too, though. That scene made me happy for her, but also really sad that she didn't have that for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like she literally was denied that support that it probably would have helped her so much to have even just one friend. And I know that Kat is like kind of a composite of a bunch of friends because she, you know, she had a lot of friends. She was a really nice person. <laughs> she had a lot of people who cared about her. And because she cared about them and was a good person, she didn't talk to them. And that's such a sacrifice that she made. Yeah, she was under such legal, I don't know, like she had the gag order mm -hmm. on her, so she couldn't say anything when the report came out. And she couldn't talk to her brother for over a year because yeah. they had like all these loved ones because they would be subpoenaed. She was so trapped. It's such a nightmare. It was just such an absolute nightmare that she was in for such a long time yeah. because of a poor romantic decision. Right. <laughs> That is so fucked up. I mean, how do you get over that? You don't You don't get over a thing like that. Next call. One thing I thought was very effective was the, the two side-by-sides of the photo shoots of Queen Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God, yes. A bit, like, here's a Senate seat, Hillary, you know, and then at the same time, like, Paula Jones, like, okay, take your shirt off. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what a great society. Right. I know. too. Yeah, that was really effective, I thought. Just the... My biggest laugh out loud moment was when Burgess saw that the photographer who was like, yeah, it'll be tasteful. Oh, Paula, Paula. You take your top off? You agree to the nudes, remember? Uh, right, yes. Um, uh, we said they are going to be really tasteful, right? Of course they will be, sweetheart. Now, can I please see you without your top on? Go ahead. <laughs> All the way off. Great. Good. Bottoms too. And Bruce is like, they should have gotten Jason Manzoukas to play that character <laughs> uh, and say eye. like, let me taste dripping out of your coochie. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and then the stylist that's like doing her hair was mm. like, 
You did it, didn't you? What do you think? Ah, oh, I love it. Oh, you are so talented. Thank you so much. Gosh, I wish I could do that. Can I ask you something? Mm -hmm. Just between us. When you were alone with the president in that room, you did it, didn't you? So, just not treating her well at all. Yeah, like the Annie Leibovitz uh, photo shoot was oh like, my God. It was disgusting, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. And I did like that about this episode because I feel like for a long time they've been trying to make Hillary really sympathetic. And I feel like in this episode, at least they were like, nah. Right. <laughs> she jumped on this opportunity. Yeah. She embraced the like fuck out like, of it. You get rewarded <laughs> if you play along with shitty people in power, you know? Yeah. This is a direct line to the Senate, basically, for her. Yeah. And then the, the other White House aides are like if you had told me in 1992 she would be this popular and right. so you were crazy i know it's seeing the john stewart clip now listen the truth is on your side this is impeachment so hang in there good luck kid now it's not too much trouble back into me yeah. No, slowly yeah no 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 oh yeah baby is that a thong I don't remember him so much being. I know. Like, I, I guess I, I just remember the that. That was heartbreaking. Movie. It was just a real quick clip of the Daily Show, like early Daily Show, obviously, and he was just being like crass about Monica. Oh. And he made some thong joke. Right. Oh. I was just like, John, I didn't remember you were like that. I know. He'd remember him as like such a dignified journalist. <laughs> Oh, I have never liked John. No, um, but that's been a secret dislike for a long time mm -hmm. because people loved him. But I have always disliked him. Okay, here we go. We're really <laughs> going to be referring back to this in a month or two for whatever reason. I don't know. What? Just like your Sam Elliott call out, and she was like, <laughs> "I have never liked them." And then it's you, like, you, good you, are, you really do. <laughs> I'm just always late to the party on these people. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I have a good insight. I mean, definitely my political ideologies have gone way past the leftness where Jon Stewart stopped. Like, for a long time, I felt like I saw eye to eye with him. And then at a certain point, I was like, wow, he's actually a little bit more conservative than I want yeah. him to be. He, like, still really believes in democracy. <laughs> okay. Can't get with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like a, a way that I used to be too. I think there's people who are like Democrats, but like as long as things stay pretty much the same, you know, like everything is mostly working fine, you know. Yeah, well, he was. And it's usually a white really man like, that yeah, feels that way. Right. The system mostly works, just needs a little tweaking, you know, and. It's like, no, you gotta burn it all down. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he was, like, on Stephen Colbert's show. He had, like, come out of hiding or whatever, wherever <laughs> he lives on a farm in upstate New York, <laughs> talking about, like, the Wuhan flu and kind of, like, joking about how China created it or something. Right. Like, the lab. okay, that's one way to promote <laughs> your new HBO show, but it's like, wow, you're really feeding off of the xenophobia that chuds will, like... <laughs> grab onto so he's not who i thought he was <laughs> he's not who i thought he was is a t-shirt yeah, totally, yeah. jesus christ I, like yeah. I really love clive owen's performance in this episode he is 
such a bad guy. You know, they take these women and they hound them and they scare them. 20 years they've been working on her until she finally broke. It's fucking insane. What a fucking star. Takes his little poison pill and puts it in his little box. He knows what he's doing. I can't fight a charge. I can't even see. You know, they, they, they create a lie about me and another lie and another lie. And I can't, I can't even get the truth out because if I say anything, then it, it just brings in more attention. For when they spread something like this, you know, once, once it gets out, there's nothing you can do. It never goes away. It's a lie. It's another fucking lie. And he really nails it. He like goes into all the way villain in this episode. Oh and I really gosh. love it. Want to hear a joke? There's this guy caught on a cliff in a storm. Wind and rain raging. He's trying to hold on to a branch. It's about to slip out of his hands. He's about to fall. He looks up and he says, Why me, God? And God looks down on him and says, I just don't like you. I want to know, did Bill Clinton really tell that joke? Yes. Like, what a huge fucking Not, baby you are. Apparently that's a joke God, he told a lot. like me, you know? Like, I know. Oh my God, you're the fucking president. Anything bad that happens to you is because God doesn't like you. Like, oh my God, I'm like, I, I hate you so much. Yeah, that was, that, that joke really stuck God. with me. I'm like, Oh, really fuck. says a lot about personal accountability. It sure does. <laughs> like, when bad things happen to me, it's because God doesn't like me. When bad things happen in my life, I mean, it's just like, oh, God. And I also feel like it's very... Lady. I'm like, I would be embarrassed for him if he told that joke in my presence. He apparently told that joke a lot. It was a joke he told that day, yeah. and reportedly... It was one of his favorite jokes to tell. That and, like, the the Hillary, like, if I was married to him, he'd be president. It just shows they're so fucking full of themselves. It's yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. God. They really acted like the king and queen. They, yeah. <laughs> they took that, like, Kennedy is royal, American royalty thing way too fucking seriously. Right. Yeah. This is their destiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're so entitled. There's no... There's no accounting for choices because this was my destiny to, like, right. be so great and so yeah. powerful. Just total absolution of whatever happens in the day-to-day. <laughs> it's crazy, like, seeing Matt Drudge. Like, he's... That was pretty funny. He's just, like... I liked having Billy Agger back. internet service <laughs> provider. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I don't know why you're taking falling. that zone with me. I love the... I need to post. I need to post. And it's just yeah, like, it's just like so this angry, so angry funny. dork, like, trying to look like, such a dork with the stupid hat he always wore. I had to look up about that show, too. That, that was a real show, and it was. It was very short-lived, obviously, but... Matt Drudge here, Fox News, somewhere in midtown Manhattan. Tonight's headlines, NBC bigwigs at war over their Juanita Broderick interview, Monica back in D.C. to testify, and Paula Jones in penthouse joining me here to talk about all this at the desk is ann coulter author of high crimes and misdemeanors and what's your take on all this um let me just say juanita broderick is very credible but even worse than that is paula jones i'm deeply pathetically despondent over what she's done i mean she was our rosa parks 
Yeah, it's so funny. Like nightmare fuel that is. I know. Like just thinking of like people that got famous like on the internet. I think Perez Hilton tried to cross over into doing TV stuff and like it just didn't work. I was a Perez reader. Oh, like, I don't know. It was just like weird. Like he had the hot goss. He had the hot goss, but it was like interesting how the internet. Some stuff has changed, but some stuff is. Very much still like that. It was such like a high school drama for a while. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm the, the truth teller and I need to get on there. And then, like, the scene with him and Ann Coulter backstage at his talk show. It is very Hollywood sounding, like, the way they're talking about the parties. What about you? Would you ever want to do your own show? I was told I would get too many FCC violations. Oh, well, I'm not crying for you, Miss New York Times bestseller. Oh, it's their business. You know, this is just a business. Yeah. Talking about politicians and having shitty views just to have shitty views to be famous and have sh- talk about your shitty views. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> it's not about government it's at not all. About government at all. <laughs> it's just about, like, power. It's disgusting. Yeah. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. I hate agreeing with Ann Coulter about oh. anything, but I did like when she called Hillary walking void of charisma. <laughs> Hillary, a walking void of charisma, a sentient bag of ice chips is is so popular right now, she's going to be in the Senate. <laughs> she had like two really sweet Hillary Burns in a row. It's yeah. like, wow. Right. Yeah, I know. Like, let them fight. Okay. <laughs> I know. They should have a celebrity of mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> talking about like this is like daniel Steele. i can't believe it's this is from ken star's office like am i high am i high no did i take lsd no this is real this is a real report to u.s congress (laughs) right am i on lsd right now she was having the time of her fucking life like ken star who had sex through a hole in his room. <laughs> that was also a sick burn <laughs> and probably true. Ken Starr wrote this? Ken Starr who probably conceived his children through a hole in the wall between his garage and his prayer room? These chapter titles. Miss Lewinsky's frustrations. Like Danielle Steele. Hold on. Okay, finally, on page 154, I'm, I'm looking at a legal argument. Here we go. Grounds for impeachment. It, no, it's just more sex. What were they doing? I don't know, but it is spectacular. That guy is such a fucking religious creep. He's disgusting. <laughs> if he wasn't a conservative lawyer, he'd, he'd have been like some kind of church cult leader. Right. I wrote Linda Tripp's line, and I trusted our institutions to protect a person like me. Oh, gosh. Just like, there is so much meaning in that <laughs> yeah. line. None of this is about you at all. <laughs> and like just to protect a person like me, you're still a woman. You are a white woman right. of means, and they do protect those people, but you're a woman. Yeah. And you're not an attractive enough woman to be protected either. No. That was a meaningful passage when she said I didn't know how ugly I was. Like, <sighs> I know. Thanks. Yeah. Especially how she didn't know, like, she doesn't mean it the way she should mean it. Right. She, right. She's like, oh, I didn't know that I was physically ugly. And I'm like, well, it's crazy. that's not I the mean, problem. I feel like yeah. I remember her being just, like, not attractive, but just, like, a regular-looking woman. You know, I mean, it's like this woman was, like, so hideous. How dare she show her face in public, you know? I mean, it just is kind Well, of I mean, but I can up. see how, yeah, all of the coverage, the media coverage on it would make you feel that way. Yeah. Even right, if but that's what I'm saying. The media yeah. coverage, that, that's like crazy that that happened like that. 
Also, it was such a crazy mean time. Like no. it was everyone's like using saying the truth as an excuse for just being dicks. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's part of like that was sort of the beginning of the internet and like the internet made it easier to be mean because like there's things you wouldn't say to a person's face, but it's like right. it gives you this yeah, level like of a, detachment, you know? Anonymity. Like the keyboard warrior kinda, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Perez was really mean. Well, yeah, like yeah. how Perez and Drudge were kind of the first two internet trolls, even. Yeah, <laughs> they, like, pioneered that. I mean, even, <laughs> even Perez is sowy about some of the shit he said back then. I think he's just sorry that the tide has turned. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting? Um, Justine Bateman, like, wrote a book, I think it's called Fame, oh. and... And when she got, was super famous pre-internet, and she's still famous now enough, she's like, you can Google my name and it comes up, like, Justine Bateman, old, you know? Like, just how, oh, like... Jesus. Yeah, right. Like, how mean the internet, you know? And then, But she laid out kind of like, you know, when she was famous, like, when she was on Family Ties, for a person to contact a celebrity, like, she laid out, like, how much trouble a person would have to go to. Like, they would have to find an address to send a letter to, you right. know. And she's like, and now for a person to say something to a celebrity, it's like one second on your phone. How difficult it is for famous people. Just like if somebody wanted to insult you, to insult a famous person in the 80s, like, they had to go to a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> they had to really want to do that. You know, right. it's true. and now it's just like you exist in the world and it's like, oh, you're getting old. You're kind of fat. You're ugly. You used to be hot. You know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks for your input. Right. Yeah. Being famous sounds like an awful. <laughs> it's, it sounds like it used to be a lot more fun than it is now. <laughs> and even then it wasn't all that fun, but it's like now it's much, much less fun. <laughs> Definitely comes with a lot of <laughs> monkey's paw style right. side effects. Let's see. Uh, I mean, I did like Linda's line at the end. He caused all this. He did. I know it looks like a betrayal. But she was his victim. He caused all this. He did. I just wish she could see that I saved her. She caused a lot of suffering. <laughs> you know, she caused troubles for Monica, but it it is also true that, like, this is on him. I mean, I don't know what would have happened. He did happened. start it, technically. <laughs> I mean, a lot of stuff still would have happened if she hadn't done anything at all. Yeah. I think the stuff about Monica would have come out somehow. Yeah. The scene with talking to her daughter about her dad and like oh my God. how everybody in the town knew about her dad and having all these affairs and nobody told us because they liked him. <laughs> and like, <laughs> right. yes. Yeah. She's projecting so much from her experience with her dad onto with Clinton. And everyone had known. The kids at school, all the neighbors, everyone. It was so humiliating. And my mother, she barely survived that. Why didn't anyone tell because her? Because they liked him. They liked him more than her or me. He was a cheater. He was a liar, and nobody held it against him. That's the truth. Men like that, men like Bill Clinton, they ruin lives, and they get away with it. They 
just do. It, it is. Like, Clinton was, like, one of those, like, Teflon kind of guys that everybody likes so much. He had nine lives. Like, he was always yeah. just getting out of things. And Hillary was always, like, able to bail him out. That's right. As she says, it was always going to end this way. Like, she obviously didn't know that at first, but she realizes now. And I did write, yeah, that was one of my meaningful passages was... You know why I never told you about my father? Because I didn't want to let my child know how completely fantastic life tends to turn out for liars. Yikes. That's There's a lot there. There is. Yeah. Juanita Broderick, finally, she agrees to do an interview with the Mm -hmm. news uh, story and... You know, she's like, this is definitely going to air before impeachment or whatever. Right. right. And they're like, oh, I have no doubt. It took a lot for her to, like, come out and yeah, it's such a horrible difficult interview. experience. And nobody's tuning in. Nobody's, right. like, everybody wants to watch something else now. So you're saying that Bill Clinton sexually assaulted you, that he raped you? Yes. Oh, God, another Clinton woman. Aren't the Grammys on? Great. You missed it. I felt so bad for Juanita Roderick in this one. Yeah. Yeah. That is really brutal because it's like the worst experience that it, I mean, obviously it's all terrible, but hers seems like the most traumatic in terms of it was like the most assaulty of all the assaults. Right. Yeah. And biting her lip and putting on his sunglasses and Yeah, like there's a lot of ice on that. He's like a A monster. A yeah. fucking monster. It's so crazy that that just never made the made a dent in the public consciousness, you know? Right, yeah. It's almost like she's the only one who saw his, like, absolute true face because he's such a good actor in terms of putting on, like, the victim, like, the women came on to me and all this is, like, I just can't help it. People throw their pussy at me all the time. And this is, like, the one case where it was, like, I mean, obviously not even remotely consensual, not, you know, there were a lot of things that weren't consensual, but this is the absolutely most egregious example of an assault. And it's like, nobody listens. At, the, at that point, we're all like fatigued with, yeah, we know, whatever. We know Bill Clinton's right, like right. A, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit more than that. That's <sighs> reminded me of like, just remembering Christine Blasey Ford, like sharing her testimony about Brett Kavanaugh. And she's somebody that did not want any attention. And she was compelled to do this because he was going to be appointed into the Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. like, she did that brutal testimony and just like the awful attack on her and it just it was for nothing it was yeah it almost feels like it was for what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah because of how fantastic everything turns out for liars right yeah yeah she said i mean i feel like i remember her saying it was her civic duty she's like this is so painful for me and so traumatic and i don't i the last thing in the world i want to do is relive this but it's my civic duty and I absolutely see how she came into that conclusion. And again, it's like, that's the kind of shit that makes you, that makes me not see eye to eye with Jon Stewart. It's like, civic duty is one thing if everyone abides by it. The game only works if we're all playing by the same rules. And they're not. Right. There's just so many people who aren't. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew this episode was going to bring some shit up, but. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> A funny, meaningful passage I have is like Linda's post-surgery. I'm, I'm awake. It didn't work. Mystery. 
I'm awake. It didn't work. Oh no, it's over. All done. You're in recovery. Anesthesia humor, right? Oh my god. I would, yes. <laughs> I feel like that might be the best job to be a post-op nurse or something because they, everyone <laughs> this shit says people the say. craziest shit. Oh, my God, yeah. She, her oh face God. is all bandaged up, and you can only see her, like, mouth and her eyes, and she's like, can I have my cigarettes? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I feel like I said something so crazy coming out of the anesthesia once. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> One of the times I got a colonoscopy, I woke up, I was like, my friend says I have a beautiful colon. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a book, just like a little fun book I'd love to see is just quotes, like anonymous quotes from post-anesthesia. I told you my sister that it was like 2009 and it was like one of the people was black and he had like some like tribal hat or something and she was like did you vote for Barack Obama <laughs> and he's like yeah she's like I knew it <laughs> and she's like I love him <laughs> oh god I'm just like I knew it <laughs> I knew it <laughs> oh boy that's very <laughs> that poor guy yeah right <laughs> Another sad quote, I was really, uh, I was just thinking about this kind of idea of Monica telling Kat how she had to listen to her tapes and initial them all. It's so fucked up that she had to do that. And saying that she doesn't even recognize herself on it. She says, I sound so lost and obsessed and desperate. I was so sad at that time and she captured every single second of it. When I listen to it back, I mean, it's so clear she knew she was taping. In the moment, I had no idea. And God, the things you say when you're not even thinking. I mean, the random shit that comes out of your mouth when you're just just talking, killing time on the phone to a friend. And when I talk about him, I clearly couldn't see how bad it was at the time because I did not recognize myself. I sound so lost and, and obsessed and desperate, totally out of control. And now everyone gets to listen to it. And that's just so meaningful because it's, you know, when you're down bad for somebody, <laughs> you're not yourself. You're, yeah. like, kind of a possessed person. Yeah. And out of, just and out not of your control. Best. And having to not only relive that, but then have it be released. Right. It's just so many devastatingly mortifying things happen to this woman in her early 20s. <laughs> right. Oh my god. <laughs> Throughout this show, especially like the second half of the episode, I was like, how are they going to end this? <laughs> it's like, which is going to be the kicker? And I thought that the last line, I'll be okay, was yeah. a very good <clears throat> and meaningful way to end the series. Yeah. Monica, are you okay? She need a minute. I'll be okay. A lot lately I've been hearing people saying again, and this is just something we love to tell ourselves, that kids are resilient about Mm -hmm. the mask and the, you know, all the mask mandates and COVID and people love to be like, oh yeah, kids are just, they're just resilient though. They're used to wearing masks now and Mm -hmm. it's fine. And it's just like being trained for trauma is not the same as being over trauma and processing Mm -hmm. trauma. So I'll be okay just really resonated with me because it's like you'll be alive i'll be okay is not the same as i'll be alive like i will survive this literally survive it but 
It's kind of like okay. the like we turned out fine thing. Yes, like, really, absolutely. Aren't, aren't like eighty percent of us on like antidepressants. <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> like, yeah, doing fine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm fine. Right. Yeah, and most stuff that happens when you're a child that stays with you for so long. That's it what you talk about in therapy as an adult. Even right. like just unconscious things, like stuff that I I do or I react to in a certain way and I'm I don't know it's just like crazy like even though you are aware of it doesn't mean like you're not gonna have those instant reactions or it's very programmed like in your unconscious sometimes like yeah the way we talk ourselves into accepting trauma basically (laughs) because it's just so much work to deal with it and sometimes there's nothing you can do like that scene at the end is a real thing it wasn't her first book event but there was an event and it's on the internet apparently i didn't watch it but there's a video on youtube of it of her doing a book signing at harrods in london and it is just like a bunch of people taking photographs and yelling at her yelling questions and she comes out and signs a couple books and has all that stuff happen and she had to excuse herself and you can see it all like did not want to watch that but i feel like beanie beanie did a really good job of portraying that and that's awful it's so hard because these people want to help but they don't know how and she wants to accept their help but it's not helpful right yeah well there was a line where she she was talking on the phone before she had to go out she's like i actually like new york because I can walk around and people leave me alone sometimes. <laughs> you see a little glimmer of like things maybe, you know, coming back for her. Um, yeah. Being able to do things. And she's like, I have to go now. I have to go be Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I know. Kat, I'm fine. Honestly. It's nice here. Sometimes people leave me alone. Oh, Kat, I have to go. I have to start. Getting ready to go out and be Monica. Well, give other Monica my best. I will. Love you. It's the celebrity that she never asked for. Right. And then, like, Linda Tripp is also in New York City, and she walks by, like, you know, big (laughs) posters for Monica's book, and then she meets with the... George Magazine interviewer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what a story of history. Oh my god, that was so funny. That was a love out moment of her being like, oh yeah, I almost met JFK one time. JFK Jr. I'm a fan of your magazine. Oh, thanks. Did you ever get to meet JFK Jr.? Yeah, of course. He was my boss. Well, I nearly met him once. I used to uh, be director of this extremely visible program under uh, the Secretary of Defense. We organized tours back in 97. He almost attended one. <laughs> cool story! <laughs> yeah, I almost like, such the lead up of like, he almost went on that tour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that should have been on a shameful. Who did you almost meet? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I have a lot. They stood right next to Beyonce for like five minutes. I didn't say anything. That's amazing. Oh, wow. wow. That same event, Donald Trump was there and he looked at my butt. Well, I mean, wow. I don't. I can't blame him for that. I guess. Wow. <laughs> All he did was look, at least. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you excuse me. Should we do our actual? Lunch yeah, time? let's yeah. do our actual one. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. This episode is a lot about people telling your story, whether you want them to or not. <laughs> 
who would you want to tell your story? So it could be any journalist or writer, dead or alive. Okay. I'm going to go first, but I also sure. want, like, I have a, I'm going to write down, because I have a guess for who you picked, so okay. I'm going to write down to see if I'm right. Great. So I, I want have, you to reveal. I have my title of the book, too. Oh, oh do mine doesn't one. have a title. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're not doing titles. We want two titles. Go though. home, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> I thought a lot, I had so many people that I thought of that I considered for this project. Mm-hmm. But the person I am going to go with is Truman Capote. <gasps> yes. God, yeah, I love that. I feel like we're going to wow. have a great time working together. One, I think he would just be such a blast, you know? I feel like he would be such a gossip. He's, he would have so much, mm-hmm. you know? It would just be so fun to, like, hang out with him. And I also love that his style, even when he's writing nonfiction, is like, you know, it doesn't all have to be true. (laughs) I feel like he has this very fluid kind of like fiction, nonfiction, like, let's just tell a story. Yeah. It's sort of like the fiction is the lie that tells the greater truth. I like that. And I think also he would, not, I mean, to his detriment sometimes, but he would like not be afraid of pissing anyone off. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was very willing to burn bridges, you know, so I feel like it would be a blast to work on something like that with him. <laughs> I would want Lindy West to write. Oh, I just love, I think she's so hilarious and just fun. And I think that would be really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's and a great just, answer. like her take on, I love the way that she, describes things. Yes. And her jokes are hilarious. She has a great so. style. Yeah. You can say your title. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh uh, the if you got my book would be Really Makes You Think. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I get into these rat holes. Aww. Trains of thought and I don't know. I just really makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that. Um, okay, I'm actually torn, oh. I gotta say. So maybe I'll just say both. Because they're kind of for similar but different reasons. Okay. So, well, first idea that popped into my mind was Chuck Klosterman. Okay. Is that what, is that what you said? That, I thought of him for you, okay. but that's not who I wrote down. Um, for both of these answers, it's weird to me because both of my choices are men, but I just couldn't think of a woman who... Like, I feel like for both my answers, they're people who would be able to describe me in an insightful way that I hadn't thought of. Oh, I like that. And Chuck Klosterman wrote a narrative fiction book called Downtown Owl, and it's a female protagonist. And I really like the way he wrote her character. Because of my life is so steeped in pop culture, and he's a pop culture journalist, mm-hmm. but it also was a great fiction writer, I feel like he would do a really good job of getting both the pop culture and pop vibe of my life that I want to portray. And then my other choice was Douglas Coupland. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. That's not who I wrote down. Okay, who's your right? Jerry Stone. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been third. Oh, man. Um, but I just feel, I thought about Jerry Stone, but I thought we're just too different generationally. Oh, okay. Also, I feel like he would be hard to work with, probably. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think he's fine now, and I've heard some really good, I like he has a really good WTF interview with Mark Maron. And he's so fun, but I feel like he's just too far removed from Gen X. Okay. And both Klosterman and Kubland are Gen X. And even though I'm a little bit more of the zenial end of Gen X, because of the presence of the internet and my 
teenagehood. I think that's the dividing line. And Douglas Kipling wrote a book I really love called Life After God, which really I, I read oh. during like my first real big serial panic attack <laughs> spree, my first really heavy depression. And the existential questions in that book are ones that I like he was able to phrase things that I had thought about but not been able to put into words about what the fuck was going on with me <laughs> and in that book specifically. So I feel like he would also get me and that's the answer. Awesome. But Jerry Stoll's a great answer too. Actually, honestly, I'd be happy if any of them wanted to do it. <laughs> All of you I'm get not gonna... in touch. We'll field offers. Yes. <laughs> How very. That was a fun poll. Yeah, I'm glad we did a fun really one because I feel like we've done a lot of really heavy ones. This... <laughs> greetings and salutations. Does anybody have a greetings and salutations that they would like to do? Oh, no. I feel like we haven't done that this season. We've done it a little bit. Just for, like, usually for just people who have a hard time in one way or the other. (laughs) My cousin Vicky listens to the pod and she had a birthday. Oh! Happy birthday, Vicky. Happy birthday, Vicky. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Any other... Um, I think I would like to shout out Pam Anderson and anybody else who, maybe even Paula Jones, and anybody else who feels like their story has not been told properly. And I'm yeah. sorry that happened to you. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. And Monica. Okay. <laughs> and Monica. Shout out to Monica. Hey, Monica. Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Nature dad, Monica. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening to Series 7 of Made and Puke. This was really fun, boring television. And we'll be back next season with our regular return to format of movies. Yeah, back to the movies. <laughs> Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.